0: I guess I can try to blame it on uh, an illness that I've been having all week that I don't think has healed up quite yet. So, but today we are going to be starting a seminar on evangelism, and is there, can I make a request to everyone? Could, Could you guys come to the center? Is that possible? I mean, it's sort of like I'm going to be talking over here and I'm going to be talking over here. If you guys could come to the center, man, that would help me a lot. I'd really appreciate that. Hey, Tori. Alright, before we get started, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so thankful for this day, for a day of corporate worship, a Sabbath. Lord, I pray that this will be a good Sabbath rest for us. I pray that as we come together as this body of believers, that we will worship and glorify you. That we will learn more about who you are and what it is that you call us to. And Lord, please be with me this morning. Help me as I bring this message or this teaching to the uh, members of this body. And and Lord, please, help them to see and help us to be united in our effort to serve you, Lord, and making the world know the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray this in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, we are going to do 13 weeks regarding evangelism and so this is going to be our first week and i'm actually instead of it being just evangelism i really believe that it should be the gift of evangelism it is a special gift that we have and what i mean by that is that individuals believers could because god is sovereign Individuals could come to salvation through no effort of us as believers. But by the grace of God, the Lord allows us to have this special opportunity to be, in some ways, fathers to new believers. Um, Just recently, one of the, the neatest things that I had experienced was um, I was teaching the youth Sunday school class, and as I was teaching, um, we had combined the younger, the like junior hires with the high schoolers that day, and we were teaching on a parable, and what ended up happening is after the class, all of a sudden, um, Caleb Navarro came up to me, and he goes, brother, brother. You won't believe this. And I'm like, going, what? He says, I remember you teaching this to me when you, when I was a young kid. And I was like, oh, oh cool. And he goes, but what you don't know is that the, that was the day that I became a believer. All of a sudden, I recognize, as you were saying that, that particular going through and teaching on that parable, that this that now I had to. It wasn't that I needed to. I had to go ahead and serve and worship and do all these things. He said it was, I don't know what happened because I had been trained, I had been taught by my father and my mother and, and all that. But this was that moment when you were speaking the words regarding this parable. And all of a sudden, I almost had like this fatherly sort of joy because in many ways isn't that paul say that to timothy that he he considers him his son because he came to faith through the sharing of the gospel and ultimately that is like this wonderful gift that we have we through the sharing of the gospel can become like the the parents to those who come to faith These are going to be our family members that will be with us in heaven. And because of that, there is just this opportunity and this potential for so much joy when we are faithful in sharing the gospel. All right? So today, um, we are going to just go over why evangelism. Why is it that we are Called to evangelize, and we're going to a- answer the question the what, the who, um, the why, where, and how. And ultimately, I'm also going to be asking you guys uh, to do some homework. Yes, homework. Um, and basically, we'll get to, into that at the very end, okay? Yes, sir? Yeah, my dog ate my homework. Um, sorry. We're we're not accepting that, so no, and so when it comes down to it, you're going to get the most out of this 13-week teaching the more you put into it. So if you do the homework, I promise you that that will begin to prepare you to be able to do this more consistently, more faithfully um, for the Lord and for His glory all right so with each one of these points i have actual questions and this class is not supposed to be me just teaching it's supposed to be you guys interacting so when i get to the first point and it says what is evangelism i'm going to require you or ask you to give me some answers okay so what is evangelism Giving the gospel. All right. And when you're saying the gospel, the gospel is, is what? The word of God. The, the word of God. About, salvation. Mm-hmm. About salvation. Would we also say that the gospel is, the actual meaning is what? Good news, right? It's the good news. And, and I can remember um, someone that was in an evangelism class Um, that I was teaching I think it was back in 2004 and all of a sudden they came up to me so excited because they were like going I've always heard that the gospel is the good news but I didn't understand what the good news why it was so important until today you taught about the bad news You taught about the fact that I was separated from God. It doesn't become good news until we recognize our hopelessness. The fact that from the moment of our conception, we are covered by sin. We are separated from our God. There is no way that even at the point of birth, even though so many would say that when we are born, we are born a clean slate, What? Tabula rasa, right? So we haven't sinned. We haven't done anything wrong. But that is not the case because when we are born, we are still under the curse of sin because of Adam's sin. We carry that and so we are separated. And Jesus was quite clear when he talked. He says that you are either a child of God who has been born again and turned into a new creation Or you are a child of the devil. And for all those who have not come to salvation through Christ, they are a child of the devil and there is no hope unless they are born again. And so because of that, we give the bad news. We tell them that, right? And then we give them the good news. If there is contrition, if they show a genuine sign of the problem, then we definitely give them the good news. All right. So we give them the gospel. What else is evangelism? Is there anything else to it? Well, show it shows how high God is and how
1: low we should see
0: ourselves. Amen. Amen. It puts it, as, it puts it into the right context because oftentimes when you're talking to individuals who are not born again, they don't recognize. They think of themselves as being good. I'm good. You know, isn't that what the psalm says, is that everyone claims his own goodness? But it is when we look at God's perfect law, that all of a sudden we see that there is not goodness within us. So, all right. So evangelism is giving the gospel of Jesus Christ, sharing the bad news and the good news. Um, So we see this throughout the scriptures in regards to evangelism. Actually, I would say probably the very first moment that we see it is there in Matthew 4, 19. If you have, we've got quite a few verses, so Matthew 4, 19, and it says this, And he, meaning Jesus, said to them, bless you, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So we see from the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ that he is showing the disciples The future apostles, what it is that they are commanded to do, what it is that they are going to do with their lives, and that is that they are going to become fishers of men. All right. How many of you here have ever gone fishing? Yeah. How many of you are successful at fishing? Yeah. Oh. Aunt Tina, she caught a two-and-a-half-pound trout one time. I've never seen my mother-in-law so happy because she, was, she loved fishing, loved it. And she was trying to get them to fish up at the ranch up in Wyoming, and she brought in this two-and-a-half-pound trout that was a monster. It was a monster. And she was so giddy for days, months. So when we are giving the gospel we are wanting to attract individuals but we also recognize that we're only going to attract the elect right and we have no idea who those individuals are and so because of that we give it to everyone because we have no idea which ones are actually going to want to receive it What else do we see in Matthew 28, 16 through 20? Evangelism is this. And this is what Jesus Christ told the the disciples. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We know that this particular scripture is called the Great Commission. This is the command that Jesus was giving to the uh, disciples At the time of right before or shortly before his ascension into heaven he had accomplished all that he really needed to accomplish here on earth and so this was sort of like the final push this is sort of like this is the game plan this is what you need to do now I've heard individuals that have said you know what This was originally given to the disciples. It's not necessarily given to me. Would that be correct? Yes or no? No. Why would that not be correct? It's very clear. What is it clear about? I mean, ultimately, what we see within the Scripture is this sort of, this multiplication, that when you become a believer, you give the Gospel for the sake of making disciples and teaching them on what they need to do, and you just, every time, it just is supposed to continue on. The whole idea of the Great Commission is that this is your call as well once you come to faith and that is why one of the things that i i've heard is i've heard individuals that have said to me when i call them to evangelize is that hey you know what i've only been a christian like a year i don't really feel equipped and able to do it well you really don't need much other than the fact that you recognize that you were lost and now You have found salvation through Jesus Christ. That's all you need. You don't need. There was one particular young man that um, we shared the gospel with, um, and this was back in like 2007. His name was Orlando. And Orlando, we met him at a McDonald's um, in front of the Stardust before they blew that up and turned it into Resort World. And this young man was high as a kite on crystal meth. But we sat there, and we talked with him, and we shared the gospel with him, me and another friend. And he, all of a sudden, was like going, I I need you to meet with me tomorrow and, and talk to me some more. I need to be off of the drugs. And so what happened was we met him across from the stratosphere, At midnight and we ended up talking with him until like 4 a.m. and we went through the scriptures and we shared all this stuff with him and all of a sudden he was like going I need Christ that's right you totally need Christ and do you know the very next day he was out there with us handing out tracts and sharing the gospel you only need to receive the gospel to be able to evangelize. All right. Next one, Philippians 1.27. So what is evangelism? Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. What is evangelism? Evangelism is also us working together with one another within the church for the purpose of bringing it to individuals. There is supposed to be a camaraderie that happens or can happen when we evangelize, all right? All right. Because there are times when I've started an interaction with someone and all of a sudden one of the brothers or sisters comes up and they all of a sudden interject something and you can all of a sudden see the attention of that individual switch to them. And for whatever it is, the Lord wasn't going to use me, but the Lord was going to use them. And all of a sudden this individual is connected. And so we work together to go ahead and bring the gospel to the individuals. So that is what evangelism is. It is really being fishers of men, searching for those who God has elected to come to faith. It is discipling and teaching them and and building them up. And then it's also working together for the sake of seeing new believers come. So, let's go ahead and look at who is called to evangelize. I know we've already answered this, but who is called? All All believers. Every one of us. Every one of us. And one of the things that we're going to look at and, you know... It's only been this past year that by the grace of God I've noticed that there is certain parables that Jesus Christ gave during his ministry that relate directly to evangelism and how we should view evangelism. And we'll get into those later, but all of us, we need to work together within the church body for the sake of evangelism. Let's go ahead and look at Mark 16, 14 through 16. I'll let you turn there for a second. And this is Mark's actual sort of great commission as well. Afterwards, he... Jesus appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and, com- uh, and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes is baptized and will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. So, we recognize that we, at the moment that we become a believer, we also become a disciple. We are now a disciple of Christ. Um, What does the word, who knows what the word disciple means? A follower, a student. Um, and so we're following Jesus, but what we what are we a student of? What are we supposed to be a student of? Righteousness. Huh? Righteousness. Of righteousness? righteousness? Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We are supposed to be students of the Word. We are supposed to understand and know the word. That was Matthew. That was was good that you spoke for him. (laughs) Um, We are supposed to. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to go through these. All right. (laughs) We are supposed to be studying the word so that we are ready at any moment to give an account, right? And so we study the word for the sake of sharing the gospel. We study the word so that we know God better and how it is that we can worship and glorify him. We study the word so that we are always prepared to give a response, right? Um, One of the things that I always would would see is that as I am out sharing the gospel with individuals is that they will ask questions. And if you do not have an answer, what should you say? I don't, have an I don't have an answer. But I know where to get the answer. And oftentimes, by the grace of God, I don't know how many times the Lord did this for me. But I would have a question that was raised, and then the next morning, I was like, I would pray, Lord, please. Show me the answer to this question. And within a day or two, all of a sudden, I would find the Scripture, and there it was. There was the exact answer to that question. And no, I may not have been able to give it at that moment, but the next time it came up, I was truly ready. And so we study the Scripture so that we are prepared at each moment. All right? Number three. What are we to say when we evangelize? All right. So that's a question for you guys. Don't look at the answers right now. (laughs) But what what are the things that we are to say when we evangelize? It depends on the uh, on the situation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Give me an example of like a a particular individual. That you you think of? Well, I'm not sure exactly what you mean, or what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is give me an example of an individual who you are going to be sharing the gospel with. Say, like, if you have an individual that they know that there is a God, but yet they don't think that there is any evidence um, that really points to God, where would you go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm working with a young Jewish man, and uh, he
1: knows that God exists, but he's never heard of the gospel. He's never, I read from Isaiah 53, and I said, Where did this come from? Who wrote this? He's like, uh, I don't know. I explained to him that that was written 700 years ago.
0: absolutely
1: and, okay, so and Mhm. Yeah. And then do you consider yourself to be a good person? <laughs> okay,
0: no, that's perfect. That's what I want to hear. Cuz I want to hear your examples. There are some individuals that when you are talking to them, yes. So the the lives, yes. <laughs> the medicine, Amen. Mm hmm. If he's God, you know, if he's created, mm-hmm. you know, it's like immediately because of their disposition toward that, I just run to that. And I anytime they try to take me away from anything else, that's oh, yeah. the only thing I'll never talk about The burning of the bosom. Yeah, I literally would tell them, I'm like, I'm too stupid to talk about two things at once. I'm only talking to you about Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we. We are going to see that certain individuals that they need the gospel. Those individuals who need the gospel, they need it because they need to recognize what is the bad news. What is the bad news? Well, every individual needs the gospel. Right. Absolutely. But what what I'm saying, but there are some individuals who know of the bad news. They may have even gone to church for so much of their life and then all of a sudden that may be the opportunity to bring about apologetics and apologetics is a big thing i think brother christian would say yeah you better if you're teaching evangelism you better bring some apologetics to it so um the other thing is is that we are able to evangelize through our testimony We see that the testimony that we have is very important, all right? Um, We actually see that the testimony that we give should go ahead and point to our conversion, but should we ever just bring the testimony only for Uh, providing or evangelizing. No, no, because it's not always about us, right? It's not one, two, three, all about me, all right? What it should be about is it should be about the work of God and his glory and what he has done for people because we were the ones as humanity that ruined the relationship. We had a perfect union with God in the garden. But due to us ruining it, we now have a very limited, a long-suffering relationship with God that can only be remedied through the the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and that through our belief and our repentance, we now can have a renewed relationship with God. Yes. Would you say that our testimony is more
1: for like an opportunity to open up to evangelize and then apologetic is more for the actual Christian so that you can be able to stand firm on what it is the Bible says and you, you profess to to believe more than trying to win them
0: with the apologetics? Yeah you're not going to win someone with apologetics. You know, we see that through the scriptures that it is the gospel that has the power to bring individuals to faith, all right? Apologetics oftentimes are for those individuals who do, they do have questions, all right? They do have some legitimate questions and they will ask these questions. And here is the glory is that when we look at the sciences. When we look at all of these different things that God has created, those things speak volumes and we can bring those to individuals. I mean, one of the things that we've been studying in the youth class is this year, one of the books that we studied is Atheism is Dead. And within this book, Um, Eric Metaxas gives so many examples that basically point to the fact that, hey, atheism was never alive. Science had just not gone to the point to go ahead and reveal so many of these truths. And so, and here's the thing, because atheists typically are the majority of those who are in the sciences, they're keeping certain things from individuals so that they don't know how it has been revealed i mean if we look at the fine-tuning of the earth if we look at the fine-tuning of the universe if we look at archaeology and the fact that there are jewish and atheistic archaeologists who say yes you are correct if you say that there has never been an archaeological discovery that isn't consistent with the bible They cannot show one example that goes against what the Bible says in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. If they do, then have to say oh, this is true. Oh, right. Is true. And they, they make attempts at that. I mean, if you actually go to the early discoveries of like the wall of Jericho, mm-hmm. the very earliest discovery, they basically were trying to tout that the walls were pushed in. But it wasn't until... We had some in the 40s and then more recently in the 70s where they basically were able to document it by video and show that the walls actually were pushed out. And not only were pushed out, but they were pushed out in such a way that it created a natural ramp for the Israelites to come into the city and defeat them. They tried their best attempt to go ahead and show that oh no, it's not what the Bible says. You know, I, and I, I can remember one time watching, what was it, the History Channel, because they were talking about uh, the archaeological discoveries and they were specifically talking about the, um, what was it? They were talking about the wall of Jericho. And basically what they ended up saying was, is that the Israelites snuck in Thousands of individuals into the city that ended up pushing the wall so that they could go ahead and come on in. That it wasn't God miraculously showing his power and his might against these individuals that lived wicked lives apart from God. So, all right. So we look at the gospel, and this is one of the things that I want you guys, and I'll start to tell you about the homework. Here's your homework, all right? Your homework is to write down a two-minute narrative. Write down a two-minute narrative of the gospel, all right? And typically, we have, I've got written down here, seven different points. That you need to include in that. All right. Point number one is you always, the gospel has got to start with God. God. Who is God? He is eternal. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He sees your sin. He is loving, but yet he's also just. He is, he does have wrath. And we need to reveal who he is. Then we need to reveal that he is the one responsible for creation. And of all the things that he created, he created individuals that are in his image. All right? We are image bearers of God. That means that we have some of the abilities that God has that other members of creation do not have we are able to love, we are able to create. Oftentimes, I, I, I will mention this to non believers, and they say, Oh, no, no, animals create. I mean, I've, I've seen those videos where the monkey takes a stick and, and gets the ants and eats them, he, he used a tool. Well, I'm sorry, that's a little bit different than creating like. Uh, the Excalibur uh, or, not Excalibur, or yeah, this building. How many, how many monkeys go, go about and say, hey, you know what? We really need to create a house to get out of the rain. I mean, you never see them creating houses, right? You never see them passing judgment upon each other. They don't have those special abilities that humanity has. And then once we reveal that we are that one, we talk about the relationship. And that ultimately God desires to have a relationship with his people. But that relationship then was cut short through the original sin of Adam. And that because of it being cut short, now all of a sudden we were separated from him. We now could not be in his presence anymore. And now we live our lives with the desire to get back to him, to have that. That is ultimately, during our lifetime, we are given the chance to get back. But here's the thing, we can't do it. There is nothing that we can do, and we see that when we look at the law of God. And ultimately, from the law of God, then we show that there is a need for a Savior. And we show that God was the one who provided the Savior. But it was a very unique Savior because this Savior is 100% God and 100% man. So that He could suffer, so that He could be tempted, so that He could go through all of those things and live a life doing what we never could so that he would allow himself to be sacrificed on our part and ultimately through us repenting and believing in him those are the first steps that occur in the life of the born again believer and that's the gospel so Try to write down a two-minute gospel. And what you're going to do is on that last page, you're going to send it to me by my email. Doug70 underscore seven at hotmail.com. And in the subject, put down two-minute two minute, um, gospel. Okay? So that way I'll know that that's from you guys. Okay? So that my... My uh, email won't throw it in the junk mail and say, ah! <laughs> All right. Yes, sir? Uh, I was going to say, just as a point of encouragement, there is no absolutely foolproof, perfect way to share the gospel Mm-mm. with everybody. There's no, not, this is not a cookie-cutter type Mm-mm. of situation. Mm-mm. No. Every situation is different. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So, 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. And says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, so that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So, how does this relate to apologetics? Apologetics is oftentimes what we are doing is we're teaching truths. We're showing things from this world that point and declare who God is or who Christ is. I'm sorry if
1: we're interrupting again.
0: That's okay. hmm And that really is a demonstration of how evil never stops. hmm And that's one of the launch times I've used a number of times is ask people, Does evil exist? Oh yeah. I so, uh, well, we know that. Mm-hmm. But uh, people have to say, Well, yeah, okay, so where did it come from? hmm I can't go down to Walgreens and get a jug of evil. <laughs> right? Right. And so it, where does it come from? And that and that usually leads me into the gospel. Amen. I like that. I like that. So we, we correct individuals. We do it in gentleness. We, we try our very best to wait upon the Lord that he may go ahead and bring them repentance. Give them that gift of repentance so that they are able to come to faith. All right. So where are we to go and evangelize? All right. Where are we supposed to, what does the Bible say? Where are we supposed to go to evangelize? Are we supposed to go down to Walgreens? Yeah, sure, why not? Where are we supposed to go? Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. right? In Matthew 24, 14, Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Our desire is that all nations, every people group, every language, will hear the gospel because every group is going to be represented in heaven. And so it is for that reason And actually, I had an interesting conversation this week. Um, One of my uh, good friends, um, his son is, he's just sort of like, he's going to school at Boise State, and he's planning on going into, I think, uh, computer engineering. And he was telling me about the incredible things that AI is doing. And as I was telling him about the new, our... um, um, missionary team that is in Indonesia, and they're intent on taking the gospel to a particular group that does not even have, you know, their language has not been placed into an alphabet, it hasn't been placed. In, and he was like, going, you know what? The stuff that AI is doing, we may be on the precipice of all of a sudden that part of the process being made so much easier because these computer systems are able to go ahead and calculate at such a fast rate that time may not be too far away that we will be able to not only take the language and put it into an alphabet but then also take what is written in the scriptures and take the and put it into their particular alphabet. I hope and I pray that that is true because I just I want to be with my Lord. <laughs> that's, that's true. Let me share with you the New Tribe's Mission's work mm-hmm. in
1: her place in Mindanao. Mm-hmm.
0: Praise the Lord. Yeah. You new mm-hmm. is now what they're using. Oh, praise the Lord. We have got technology. And, and that means that that opens up so many opportunities. Um, Julian took off, but Julian was telling me, he was like oh brother, how can we utilize social media to share the gospel? And he was telling me about different things that he has done and how he's seen different things take off. I'm telling you, if the Apostle Paul was here today, he would be going crazy with the internet and social media. He would find some way of utilizing these in a way for the glory of God. We have so much at our fingertips, but yet we sometimes are w- unwilling to go outside our comfort zone, unwilling to go ahead and reveal Our true love. And if we are struggling to go ahead and do that, then it raises the question is that really our true love? And are we guilty of just not being faithful to our Lord and Savior? All right. Um, When are we to go and evangelize? So, when are we? Hmm? When you're alive, (laughs) amen, when you are alive, 1 Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. You know, by the grace of God, this week had a conversation with a co-worker, um, And I was, I'm still trying to get my brain around being a social worker and doing social work from home on a telephone. I'm used to, I've spent the last 29 years being (laughs) with people face to face. Because that's how you really, you see the pain. You see the struggles. You can recognize which individual is wanting or actually needs the resources and which individual is just wanting a handout. And and it's important to know the difference. How do you do that over the phone? But by the grace of God, he's opening up opportunities to go ahead and recognize those things, but yet, and it's still creating opportunities to share the gospel over the phone with these individuals. And I love it because once you get, and this is, I love my wife one time, she was like going, you know what? I love the fact that God provides silver platter moments. (laughs) It's almost as if in the conversation, they say something and it's sort of like God going, here it is, go. It's like the door has been cracked just a little bit and she's like, you just got to kick it in and say, okay, here, here is the gospel or here are the, the beauties of God, you know, and we've got to look for those opportunities. We've got to pray about those opportunities. Every day we should be praying, Lord, please, if you can move the minds of individuals, then move their minds to all of a sudden bring something up that opens the door for the gospel to be shared. Do you want to share the gospel? If you want to share the gospel, then pray for that. Pray for that every day that the Lord will give you one after another opportunity. And I'm telling you that when you do, he does. He provides wonderful opportunities. All right. In Acts 1, 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So where are we supposed to go to evangelize? Everywhere. All of it. All of it. And we do it. I love how this verse points out. I love how Christ points out that it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to share the gospel? You You better be submitting to the Holy Spirit to empower you, to give you strength, to give you zeal to do it. All right? so why our last question why are we to evangelize what do you guys think give me give me some reasons why do we evangelize Jesus commanded it. he commanded it all right why else Hmm. And that's one of the things I would often tell, like when we would go down to Fremont Street and we would be sharing the gospel or on the strip in front of the Bellagio, you know, I, one of the things that I would say the reason why I am out here tonight is not only to tell you the gospel, but it is to worship and praise God. Amen. What I'm doing here by me telling you, by me making the effort to come out, Here, I am worshiping and glorifying God. How beautiful are those feet? And Lord knows, I want my size 15 feet to look beautiful. (laughs) How beautiful are those feet that bring the knowledge of God, right? And the gospel. We do this because, yes, we are commanded. And we want to be obedient. We should. If you are a true believer, you are obedient. All right? But also, we've got to look at it as a privilege. Look at this verse from Second Corinthians 5:17 through 20. Ah, love this passage. Second Corinthians 5:17 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are the ones who have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It is us who are going out to reconcile unbelievers to Christ. We have this special ministry. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God makes his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are ambassadors. What is an ambassador? What does an ambassador do? He represents his country. We are representing heaven. We are representing that wonderful thing that you day, I hope you are daydreaming about, I hope you are daydreaming. Just like you would daydream if you were going on a trip to Hawaii, you would be looking at pictures and and daydreaming about how wonderful and beautiful. I hope you are daydreaming about being with Christ in heaven. One of the greatest things that I ever heard John MacArthur say was how much he loves going through, I think it's Revelation 21, and reading and seeing those aspects of heaven, and adding new details, recognizing new things about how beautiful and wonderful heaven is going to be, and he said to us at a shepherd's conference, he said, I have walked those streets of heaven hundreds of times. Do you walk those streets in your mind? because that is probably one of the most encouraging things you could ever do as a believer in Christ. So walk those streets, read that scripture and meditate on it, and enjoy it, because that's what you are representing. You are representing a Savior that who's the light that will never go out. There is no darkness. There is no night because of Him. He, he is going to produce the food that we will consume since we will have a new body. Boy, I'm going to have a body where the heart works. Good. I'm looking forward to that. Praise the Lord. And, and I, like I was telling my Jen the other day, I was like going, and also at, when we are at that feast with the Lord, We don't have to worry about gaining weight. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord, right? Now, the last thing that I'm going to say, and then we'll finish in prayer. Why do we evangelize? Because this is one of the best ways of drawing close to the Holy Spirit. All right? Let's read this passage. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. When we look at the Apostle Paul and we see him talking to the church in Corinth, one of the things that he says to them is that, I came to you in fear and much trembling. That's a comfort. That's a comfort to know that the Apostle Paul feared bringing the gospel to individuals. And guess what? We all are going to fear. Every one of us are going to fear when we begin to share the gospel. But something miraculous happens, and it's talked about in this verse. Because when we begin to demonstrate an overarching love, for others, because we want them to come to salvation, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit creates a vacuum and pulls out that fear and all of a sudden just fills you with power and zeal. And how many of you have felt that? How many of you who have you're like nervous, you're scared, you're, is this really the moment when I'm going to do this? You know, I would have that fear at work and I would always say, oh, I'm fearful because I'm scared that if they complain, I'll lose my job. But once I started sharing the gospel, all of a sudden, out came the fear and in came joy. How many times have you shared the gospel and you're like going, man, I feel great. So, all right. So next week we are going to go into more detail about what the gospel is. So let's go ahead and end in prayer. Lord, thank you. I just pray that in this class that we can all become more faithful stewards of our time and our energies and recognize the importance. I pray that we will be in prayer for opportunities to share the gospel, that we can see our neighbors that we can see our friends, that we can see our family come to faith. Lord, thank you. We just are so grateful for allowing us to be a part of the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to be good broadcasters. We pray this in your son's holy name. Amen.